We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Good evening and welcome to the John Whitmer Show, sponsored by Wink Hartman and the Hartman Group of Companies. My name is Blake Carpenter and I'm filling in for John Whitmer this evening. We are happy to have you join us tonight here at your local liberal resistance headquarters where we proudly champion the conservative principles of limited government, individual liberty, free enterprise, and traditional values. We are pleased to have you with us this evening. If you'd like to give us a call here at the studio lines, they are open and you can reach them at 316-869-1330. By email at john at knssradio.com, on Facebook at the John Whitmer Show, and on Twitter at John R. Whitmer. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you. We have another great show planned for you tonight. I'll talk with... uh, Tara Servatus, and I'll see if that's how we pronounce her name when she calls in. Uh, Hopefully I'm not getting that wrong. I sincerely apologize to her if I am. Uh, She's the host of The Tara Show on 98.9 WORD. She'll be with us to talk to us about the folks in South Carolina really feel about Nikki Haley. We'll also be talking to Mariah Day from the Kansas State Rifle Association as he will explain the importance of passing the constitutional amendments that we have here in the state of Kansas to enhance our Second Amendment rights. And then we're also going to talk to conservative writer and speaker Cheryl Chumley. We, she will join us to discuss how Joe Biden has a moral duty to protect America's borders and how she's saying that he is failing at every turn. I will bring you our weekly Under the Dome legislative update from Topeka. And, of course, we'll be talking, sorry, and, of course, we'll be taking your calls at 316-869-1330. Tonight, we stand at a crossroads, not just in Kansas, but across our nation. It's a time where our principles, our values, and the very fabric of our society are tested. But as Kansans, as steadfast conservatives... We understand the importance of tradition, of hard work, and of the freedoms that define us. Let's talk about the economy, our farmers, our manufacturers, our small business owners, the backbone of Kansas. They're not just working to make a living. They're preserving a way of life. 
It's our duty to support them, to take to cut the red tape that binds their hands and ensure that their toil on this land continues to be fruitful. It's time to push back against policies that stifle our economic freedom and embrace those that foster growth, innovation, and prosperity. Education is the cornerstone of our future. Every child in the state of Kansas deserves access to quality education that not only equips them with the knowledge, but instills in them the values we hold dear, respect, responsibility, and patriotism. Our educators need our support, our respect, and the freedom to teach without the imposition of ideologies that run counter to our beliefs. Let's advocate for a curriculum that reflects our history, our achievements, and lessons that have fortified our nation. Now let's talk about our rights, our constitutional rights. The Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, it is not negotiable. It's a fundamental principle that ensures our freedom and safeguards our families. We must remain vigilant against any attempts to erode this right. Understanding that it's not just about guns, about our ability to stand free. It's about our ability to stand free as independent citizens and our law enforcement officers out there that are listening. The brave men and women who put their lives on the line every day. You deserve our unwavering support. They are the thin blue line that stands between order and chaos. Any narrative that undermines their authority or disparages their commitment to our safety must be challenged. We owe them our gratitude and our respect. And finally, let's not forget the sanctity of life. As conservatives, we recognize the inherent value of every human being, born and unborn. This fight for life is not just a political battle. It's a moral imperative. We must be champions for the voiceless, ensure that our laws and our society affirm life at every single stage. As we navigate these challenging times, let us remember that the enduring spirit of Kansas, a spirit of resilience, of community, and of unwavering faith in the principle that guides us together, Together, we will uphold the conservative values that have made this state and this nation a beacon of hope and of freedom. Thank you all so very much for joining me tonight. Let's continue the conversation, standing firm in our beliefs, moving forward with courage and conviction. Donald Trump posted on Truth Social a call to arms of sorts for governors around the nation to send the National Guard to protect America's borders. Since President Joe Biden doesn't seem to think about our border as a priority. Some say Biden's open border policy isn't just politically problematic. It's a sign of moral decay. With us now to tell us why she thinks Joe Biden has a moral duty to protect America's border is Cheryl Chumley. She is a full-time writer with The Washington Times. She writes about politics and government from various newspapers, internet news sites, and think tanks. Cheryl, thank you for joining us this evening. Hi, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Okay, so Cheryl, you recently wrote, quote, If the President of the United States can't uphold the oath of office and protect lawful tax-paying American citizens from an insurgency of his own making, then the President doesn't deserve to serve as President, end quote. 
Joe Biden seems more concerned about securing Ukraine's borders than securing our own. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and and securing his own around the White House, right? Like you can't get anywhere near the White House without going through layer after layer of security. So how come the president of the United States, who is really technically taxpayers' employee, gets much better protection than citizens living near the border in America? And I look at the border control issue, which is to say there is no border control going on under this president, as more uh, a moral issue than just a legal issue. He had to pledge an oath of office where he swore to protect and defend the Constitution from enemies foreign and domestic. And we're certainly seeing enemies cross our border under his not-so-watchful eyes. Well, you know, I think in recent years we've seen rules for thee but not for me, right? So we have seen when illegal aliens show up to Martha's Vineyard or New York, they they scream foul, they cry foul. But when they're just pouring over the border, it's okay. Yeah, that's exactly what's taking place in New York right now, right? You've got the Democrat mayor, Eric Adams, uh, all of a sudden decrying the waves of migrants that are being sent to his city that are that are flooding his city. And he's pushing back on that. But he was quite fine with open borders until Texas started bussing them up into his city. And so, yeah, there there is a uh, a big uh, hypocrisy involved here. And it's always Democrats, as you pointed out. They want people in this country to live with the consequences of Democrat policies that really decimate our nation and cripple our Constitution. But they don't want to take part in those consequences themselves. You're absolutely right. And so there were 785,000 illegal migrant encounters at the southern border last year, Cheryl. That's, that's more than the population of Seattle. The Biden administration is allowing entire cities of, of illegals to flow into this country. So, I mean, what, where do we go from here? Yeah, that, that is the good question, right? Because under this administration, it, it's interesting to me. It seems like every month, every quarter, I keep seeing the same headlines that you do about record-setting numbers of illegals crossing into America. I mean, if there's one thing this administration is successful at, it's ignoring the Constitution and border control. So you're right. At a certain point, we have to question what happens. What happens when our cities and communities are so overrun with illegals that lawful citizens are afraid to go out in the streets? And we're seeing that right now. So you know, it, it, it warrants tough action. So when you look forward to this upcoming election, you really have to look at the candidate who who can take the tough action, which is to start deportation proceedings while simultaneously messaging to the rest of the world that no more illegals are going to be allowed to cross. It's the only way to save America, because if we don't have borders and border control, then what are we? Exactly. And, and the th- the problem is, is that it's not just individuals who are, are from Central America or South America. It's individuals from all over the world. As a matter of fact, my understanding is that several terrorists have been caught crossing the border, and those are just the ones we've caught. So how many terrorists are coming into our country that we aren't catching and are just waiting and biding their time to, you know, heaven forbid, do another 9-11 attack or something worse? I mean, this is a real problem. I mean, right here I have a statistic that says 1.7 million um, got away uh, at the as they crossed the southern border since Joe Biden has taken office. And I mean, is this by design? You know, you would have to you would have to answer that question with a yes, right? 
Because if you wanted to tear down America from within, then you would do everything, every step that this administration is doing, right? You would just flood uh, flood illegals across the border. You would narr- uh, send out a narrative to the world that uh, anybody and everybody can cross. And like you said, we don't know who. And that 1.7 million, you know, give or take, we, we really don't know on that. It, it, was, it could be double. We really don't know. And so if you're looking at what this administration is doing, the only thing that makes sense is to conclude that they're doing it on purpose because they have an absolute hatred for America. Okay, uh, listeners out there, we are talking with writer and commenter uh, Cheryl Chumley. So Cheryl, you you say he has a moral duty to protect America's borders. He's obviously not doing that. And so what's the Democrats' goal here? Registering these folks to vote maybe? Well, Democrats for a very long time, and I remember back when uh, I think it was John Kerry uh, was was this was maybe 20 years ago was talking about going to Texas to help enroll uh, illegals to to help basically generate a new batch of Democrat voters. And so, if you look through through the last history, you know, the last 20 years of of Democrat politicking, it really has been to bring these illegals across and slowly move them into legal status. So in hopes that they become their next batch of voters. And when there's outcries about it, they do it in different ways. They start to enact laws in localities that allow illegals to vote in local elections, but not federal states. So they get their foot in the door that way. Or they start allowing illegals to get driver's licenses uh, so they uh, get their foot in the door that way. So I really think this is where it's headed. Democrats want the next generation of voters. Yeah, and if you look like to, to what exactly what you were saying earlier, um, you know, California is is not only trying to lower the uh, the age to vote, but they are also looking at in their state elections allowing illegal immigrants to vote um, in their state elections. Now, it's it's against the Constitution for them to do that in federal elections, but they are still trying to allow them to do it in their state elections and impact and influence what's going on there without being U.S. citizens. Now, with Biden, as we go into this next election, how? I mean, how is this going to affect his reelection campaign? The, the, the lack of border control. I, I actually think that it's going to backfire on the Democrats because you're seeing a lot of crime take place in communities with large Democrat populations and large independent populations. And if you're somebody in America who is maybe clueless about politics, you don't really follow the, you know, the political trends, you don't watch news, you're not as on top of daily headlines or anything. What you are seeing still, though, and what you do follow is when crime comes to your door, to your residence. And that's what makes people start to look at different candidates, whether they realize it or or put a name to it or not. Maybe they're just thinking a changing candidate. So those Democrat enclaves become vulnerable. Right. Or they start looking for candidates who start speaking about law and order. And Democrats have the baggage in their background now of defund the police movement and Black Lives Matter and Antifa, which are more mob type uh, thuggery in the street. So I really think that Democrats are going to have a hard sell in this coming election because there are so many people whose eyes are awakening to the dangers of voting Democrat this this time around. 
you're absolutely right. For the last several election cycles, uh, you know, I think that people put law and order squarely in the camp of the Republican side of the ticket. And if that is one of the primary reasons why they're voting for someone, um, I think that uh, they're definitely going to be looking at the Republican side of the ticket versus the Democrat side. Um, Cheryl, if folks want to connect with you, they can find you at CherylChumley.com, correct? Uh, yes, or my Substack by the same name or at WashingtonTimes.com every day. Okay, fantastic. Cheryl, thank you so much for your time this evening. We really appreciate you joining us, and thank you so very much. Thank you so much. Have a good night. So based on that uh, last segment, uh, dealing with illegal immigration, I'm not sure uh, how many of you out there know much about my background, but I currently serve as the Speaker Pro Tem in the Kansas House of Representatives here in the legislature. Um, But real quick, before we get Tara on, one of the things that I wanted to bring up was that – um, and before I, I, I came into the role of the Speaker Pro Tem position, I actually was the House of Representatives uh, elections chairman, and I did that uh, in 2021, right after the 2020 presidential elections. So I'm sure as many of you out there could imagine that that was a pretty heavy lift after that uh, election cycle, and we had to uh, go in, look at the various uh, things that we were doing for our election bills and election laws. But the reason why I'm bringing all this up was because of the last segment. So A few years ago, the uh, courts actually struck down our proof of citizenship laws uh, in order to vote. So basically what we had was that said, hey, Kansas citizen, uh, if you want to come and vote, fill out this paperwork, send it in, and prove that you are a U.S. citizen. Show your birth certificate, social security number, all that type of stuff. Well, the list ended up getting up to about 30,000 people, and uh, at the time it was under Secretary of State Chris Kobach who was uh, pushing this, um, and he was obviously the chief election officer for our elections. Now, during that time we passed it, it went into law, it ended up building up this list of 30,000 people, and the courts came back and said, well, you've created too much of a barrier to entry uh, for people to prove that they are citizens, even though – Chris Kobach, Secretary Kobach at the time, his office was sending out reminders and would send out letters to people and say, hey, here's all you have to do. You just have to send us an image of your birth certificate of if if you know that you're, you're a Kansas citizen. Um, there were a few cases that were hard case scenarios where somebody was you know born quite some time ago, 80, 100 years ago in, in a farmhouse before we really had all the record systems and everything else that we have today. Um, and so those were special case-by-case basis that the decisions would be made on, on establishing whether or not they were a, a citizen of the United States or not. And they managed to get through it all successfully. Well, the court said that because of this 30,000 backlog, it's too cumbersome for individuals to prove that they are United States citizens, and thus they struck down our citizenship requirement. So unfortunately, now in the state of Kansas, uh, we are trying to – wade through what does that mean for us uh you know well we're still making sure that people have to show their ids uh, when they show up to the polls but i don't know if many of you guys are tracking on this or not but um there's currently a a court case that's going through here in the state courts right now where they are trying to apply uh the strict scrutiny standard to which is a judicial standard which uh, is the most strictest judicial standard that something can be applied to and they're seeking to apply this to our election laws, meaning that if it, if there is any type of burden placed upon the Kansas citizen, that the government most, must show a compelling governmental interest in order to take you know in order to regulate that right. Well, unfortunately, with 
our courts, they seem to be on, on the progressive side of things. And so the fear right now is, are they going to strike down our voter ID laws? And so that is something that you definitely need to keep a track of and watch for uh, here in the coming months or maybe even a year. Um, and so uh, we, they're still trying to get a hold of Tara, so uh, I'll just keep talking to you folks. Uh, but there, there is a um, – so they're trying to have that go through the court process right now in order to basically apply the strict scrutiny standard to a lot of our election laws. This would mean um, a complete overhaul or actually a complete um, – I guess deregulation is what you could call it uh, to our election laws. Um, so obviously that is something that we need to keep an eye on and we need to fight back against. Um, if judges who are making these rulings are issuing bad rulings that um, are, you know, saying, Hey, you, you don't have to prove who you are when you show up to a polling site, that's unacceptable. And if it's a judge that currently is in your area and you have the ability to do a retention vote on them, absolutely do not retain those individuals. Um, I mean, retention elections are very difficult. Um, they pretty much never work. Uh, I mean, the, the, the judge is pretty much almost always retained. Um, however, if enough of us start paying attention to these things and start telling our friends and family about what it is that they're doing to erode our elections and erode our system of government, then I think that is something that we can definitely start pushing back on and start taking back over the judicial branch so that they actually start representing the values of the Kansas citizen and not just making up law from whole cloth based on legislative intent that is complete opposite of legislative intent. So I think that uh, what we need to do is have citizens like you who are listening to this program reach out, find out, okay, where where is this court case at? Watch the newspapers, talk to your legislator, and ultimately, at the end of the day, make it to where your friends and family know exactly what these judges are doing. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. 
Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We have a caller. Hello, Hello. is this Robert? Yes. Hi, how are you, sir? Good. How about yourself? Doing well. Thank you for giving us a call tonight. What did you want to talk about? I wanted to know if there's any chance for medical marijuana to pass this year in Kansas. Okay, thank you for the question. So um, I have heard of some legislation being worked on over in the Senate side. Um, as of right now, though, it has not been introduced. We will see if, if it get, does get introduced um, at some point this session or not. Um, but the reason why it's basically on the Senate's shoulders to pass it at this point is because the House of Representatives actually passed uh, a medical marijuana issue in 2021. And the Senate never took up the issue. They, ne- they didn't seem to any... They didn't have any interest at the time. And so really now it's on the Senate's shoulders to make the first move because the House could then, could continue to pass medical marijuana legislation. But if the Senate's not going to take action, then it's going to continue to die. So at this point, what is happening right now is that it's the Senate that we're waiting on in order to see if they're willing to, to do it. And um, I have heard of legislation, but as of right now, no steps have been taken to do it. Um, I'm also unsure if they will take it up, even if it is introduced, um, because it is an election year. Um, they get a little squeamish <laughs> uh, in election years. Um, but no, uh, I would I would think that it does have a possibility of coming up um, as far as likelihood of passing. I'm not entirely sure at this point. If it doesn't come up and pass this year, then I am hearing that it is more likely to come up in 2025. Okay, that's great to hear. Absolutely. Well, hey, Robert, I appreciate your phone call, and thank you so much for giving us a call. Thank you. All right. So uh, what I'll still talk about is uh, the legislation and and the legislature uh, and what the progress has been over the last week or two. Uh, So the committee work is still very busy right now. uh, We started the legislative session with uh, day one. We did a support Israel resolution. And since that time, it has been a constant stream of work within the committee process. And right now, the committees are churning bills, they're hearing bills, they're working on them, and they're ultimately getting into the floors. Once they're to the floors, they will then come up uh, by whether the majority leader in each chamber allows them to come up for further debate and then passing them over to the other chamber or to the governor, depending on where they're at in the process. This past week, we also passed a resolution in support of Taiwan and our sister state relationships that we have with them and that they are very valuable trade partners for us. And so obviously, I think that um, all of you out there know uh, that it is important that we maintain a relationship with Taiwan. They are a great democracy-supporting country, uh, unlike the neighbors across the strait that they have. And so this is one of those deals of um, it's obviously going to tick off the CCP. They're going to be very upset by that. Um, and I'm sure I'm going to get a very strongly worded letter from them uh, because I was the one that carried the resolution. But that's OK. You know, I'm willing to fight for freedom, willing to fight for uh, America's values and ultimately democracy around the world. So I guess if I have a bunch of communists upset at me, then that's just uh, a punishment that I will have to take. Tara Servatius presides over the upstate South Carolina's number one all news talk morning show every weekday on News Talk 98.9 WORD. Our own John Whitmer has had the pleasure of filling in for Tara a few times, and he knows how popular she is amongst her audience. 
Tara was named 2021 Best News Talk Show and Best Overall Personality again by the South Carolina Broadcasters Association. Tara took home the same honors in 2018 and was also named 2016 Personality of the Year. And we are very happy to have her on the show tonight with us to give us some insights into South Carolina's former governor, Nikki Haley. Tara, thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. Well, John, John wanted me to ask you, when's the next time you can come back out on your show again? <laughs> oh, well, I, I don't have a vacation scheduled for a while, but uh, we'll definitely be calling on him. He did a great job. Okay, fantastic. Well, love to hear it. Love to hear it. All right. So, Tara, people often refer to Nikki Haley as a moderate. She is, of course, trying to brand herself as a conservative. She was governor in South Carolina for six years and served in the South Carolina House of Representatives before that. You know her politics fairly well. What's the real story? Okay. Um, I think moderate is very generous. Um, I'm, I, I'm not convinced after watching her for years that she's even a Republican. And that's why in her own autobiography she wrote, look, she went to an event in Greenville, and she heard Hillary speak, and she was so inspired by Hillary that she wanted to get into politics. And she even, you know, told, she even said in interviews, several of them, you can look this up, that uh, she didn't even know if she was a Democrat or Republican at that point. She was just so inspired by Hillary that she got into into politics, and pretty much everything's flown from there. Um, And if you want to see typical Nikki as we've seen her here in the state of South Carolina, look no further than this Jean Carroll verdict this week. I mean, you know, Jean Carroll just won 80, what, three plus million dollars from Trump uh, in that case where she accused him of rape. But they couldn't she couldn't even remember the year it happened. In fact, she said it happened in three different years. Okay, well, who is the money behind that case? Guy by the name of Reed Hoffman, liberal billionaire, former LinkedIn owner, right? Big Democrat donor. So he's paying for Carroll's legal fees to sue Trump. They won, by the way, 83 million dollars. He's also fundraising for Nikki Haley. He doesn't fundraise for anybody but liberals. He's a hardcore leftist. And so the same person who brought you the 83-plus million dollar verdict this week um, against Trump by Jean Carroll, which was outrageous, also is bringing you Nikki Haley. And that's pretty much all you need to know about her. Wow. No, um, that hasn't even been on my radar at all. So, no, I'm glad that we have you on the show tonight. I think uh, that's I think our listeners definitely want to hear that for sure. Now, you've been very critical of Haley on your show, and I know from talking with John about his time as guest hosting for you that your listeners don't seem very supportive of her. So uh, what's the story? Has has there not been any media coverage on this at all to that aspect? No, she's getting totally protected by the mainstream media uh, because Democrats are running her. I mean, if you look at who her – you know, big money fundraiser who's been in terms of promoting her to other fundraisers, Jamie Dimon. He's the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, right? But he's also Hillary Clinton's Wall Street fundraiser. Think about that. So that tells you everything you need to know. So um, look, with me and Nikki, it's, it's not personal. It's just her record is what it is, and the Democrats are fundraising for her. I mean, you look at the head of the World Economic Forum, um, who's also the head of liberal BlackRock. This is the guy who came up with ES, you know, ESG scores and uh, DEI and all of that. Larry, I mean, Larry Fink, he's fundraising for her. So 
you start going down that list, and you got to understand, Nikki has always come from this block of liberal money, and we've watched that for years here in the state of South Carolina. And, and we know when Nikki Haley says, hey, I promise no tax hike when she's running, well, what have we learned? Uh, a few weeks after we elect her, she'll completely flip around and say, yeah, we're doing a tax hike. That's the Nikki we know. Wow. Wow. Okay, so – it, it, okay, so she's so she likes taxes. She likes to, to increase spending. She likes to grow government. What other issues out there do do Republicans need to know about? Like, so where's she at on fairness and women's sports? Where's she at on life, uh, Second Amendment, those types of things? Can you fill us in on the various issues that you know don't align with uh, Republican values? Okay, let me give you t- typical Nikki Haley here, uh, and you can look this up. Uh, in the vanguard early on when the left is trying to, you know, have men in women's bathrooms, there was a great bill in our legislature, um, and it was pushed by a guy by the name of, of Lee Bright, uh, who was a great conservative. And all it said was, you cannot be forced as a business owner to have a man in your in your woman's bathroom. Now, if you want to do that as a business owner, you do whatever you want. But you cannot be forced. And the reason this bill was necessary is we have some very liberal politicians uh, here in South Carolina, particularly in Charleston and Columbia. So they wanted to protect those business owners. They don't have to have men let men into to women's restrooms. Great bill. Really sensible. Nikki Haley not only killed it, she bragged she killed it in multiple interviews. And even Salon.com praised her for – you know, not being able to come all the way out in, in terms of her trans, transgender rights support, but uh, she was doing what she could in South Carolina. You can Google all of that still up on Google. Um, that's who she is. But that wasn't good enough. She went a step further um, and, and, you know, beyond bragging that she was going to take out this bill, uh, and she worked to take out the politicians who sponsored it. So, I mean, she is an assassin. She is a liberal assassin, and the Democrats have hired her. Wow. Okay. And and yeah, so All right, you're giving me a lot did of information here that I'm Night soaking Live? in. <laughs> Do what? Yeah, no, did you see Saturday Night Live? Did you get a chance to to watch that? She no, was on it? No, I did not get a chance unfortunately. Well, she's doing it again. She's on there using Democrat talking points to just smear Donald Trump. Well, I mean, Ron DeSantis didn't get to do that. Vivek didn't get to do that. She only gets to do that because if you watch what she's saying, yeah, she's hitting Trump. Of course, she's gonna. She's in a primary with him, but she's not using our talking points. This is typical Nikki. She's using their talking points, the Democrats, and that's why she gets to go on Saturday Night Live, and the other, you know, conservatives slash Republicans in the race don't. So I mean, that's just the Nikki we've seen here in South Carolina. Um, that, you know, I guess that's why you just, you know, don't get a lot of enthusiasm from my listeners. Sometimes. So then, so then, why do you think she's running at this point? Oh, um, because she's the left's backup plan. I've been warning for uh, about this for about a year on my podcast, Battleground America, um, where it's either going to be Tim Scott or Nikki Haley. They come out of that same Bush fundraising base. See, if you come from South Carolina, okay, we have a machine here, and it's run by Lindsey Graham. Nobody gets elected at the statewide level without being a, a Bush acolyte and a Lindsey Graham clone. You just don't. They block you. It's how, how they do. And, and, and the way they do it is they use Democrat voters who vote in our primaries. So the left is counting on those Democrat voters coming out and um, putting Nikki in number two position because 
I think the left thinks we don't know, but I think the left thinks they're going to, you know, put Trump in prison or they're going to at least convict him. So they've already moved beyond that. And now they're trying to pick who the replacement is. And it's her. It's an insurance policy. Hey, something bad would go down on the left. Somehow the Democrat running for president lost, whether that's Biden or someone else. Hey, we're going to at least move on to picking who in the Republican side represents us. And it's Nikki Haley. And, and it's a natural fit for them. I mean, she very much is a Democrat. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen out there, we are currently talking to Tara Savacious, host of The Tara Show on News Talk 98.9 WORD. Tara, uh, you've been fairly critical of RNC chair Rhonda McDaniel on your show, so much so that you've said she must go. Now, and you've asked if she's actively undermining Trump. Is it really that bad? Uh, Look, I don't know if she's actively undermining Trump. But if you do as badly as Ron has done, uh, and if you look at the Zero Hedge article on, you know, right now on RNC's really, really, really bad fundraising, uh, the fact that she continues to spend on these things that get her bad press and drive away the donors, it's like she's try- almost trying to gut the party. Well, I mean, look who her, un- her uncle is. It's Mitt Romney. What what has Mitt Romney been doing for the last week? He's been telling any liberal media outlet that will listen that it's um, actually Trump's fault the border's a mess. It's how's Republicans' fault the border's a mess because they won't pass that terrible bill. Um, and he's letting Biden out. I mean, Rana is literally his niece. Would you put it past her? Either that or she's so bad at raising money, and she has no grassroots strategy of any kind. I mean, poor Scott Pressler is running around having to do all the voter registration because Rana's too busy doing – I'm not even sure what. But – um, you know, they the money they're bringing in is nowhere near what it takes to compete on this battleground. I mean, look, this battlefield, I mean, look at Joe Biden, the main pack that buys for him, ad space, just came out and made a $250 million buy. They bought up a lot of the ad space we're not going to be able to buy later, and they bought it at cheaper rates. It's the biggest ad buy ever. The same pack did $150 million ad buy last time, you know, in 2020. Now it's $250 million, highest ever. And Rana is messing around. It just looks like it just looks like either she's very incompetent or there's some people at the top who want Trump to lose. I don't know which it is. I have no idea. They look the same. Wow. Well, thank you for all those numbers and information. We got about a minute here left uh, before we have to take our next break. It's a hard break. But uh, do you think that Trump can beat Biden or, for that matter, do you think Biden will ever be the nominee? Um, I think Trump can beat Biden. Yes, I do think Trump can beat Biden. Um, what I'm not so sure about uh, I'm not guaranteeing he could beat Biden, but I think it could be done. I think it's an uphill battle because they don't have the grassroots structure and they right now don't have the money. Uh, but it could be done because uh, Biden is so bad. The problem is I, I just um, I'm not going to feel real good till we get past the Democrat nominating convention, which is in August. Because remember, we got to lock our nominee in July. That's when our nominating convention is. They can look at who we have. They are hoping it'll be a convicted felony, convicted Trump. That's their hope. I don't know if it will, but that's what they hope. And then if, man, if Biden can't get it done, they'll just drop in somebody who can. It's what I would do. That's what worries me. Yep, absolutely. All right, Tara, thank you so much for joining us this evening. If folks want to listen to you, they can find you on the Odyssey app at the Tara Show or on Twitter at Tara Savacious, correct? Yes, S-E-R-V-A-T-I. U.S. I'm on Rumble as well. If you want to watch the show, it's 6 to 10 a.m. every morning, East Coast time, and my podcast, Battleground America. Tara, thank you so much for joining us this evening. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. So a proposed constitutional amendment would amend the Kansas Bill of Rights to place possession and use of ammunition, firearms components, and firearms accessories under the constitutional protections. The resolution also proposes that gun restrictions be examined under the strict scrutiny standard, which we were talking about earlier, the highest standard of review a court can use. By doing so, gun rights would have the same level of protection as the freedom of speech and religion. With us now to explain the importance of passing a new constitutional amendment to enhance our Second Amendment rights is Mariah Day, the executive director of the Kansas State Rifle Association. Mariah, thank you for joining us this evening. Thanks for having me, Blake. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So you and I have known each other for quite some time. Um, and for that those. Is true, yeah. Out there that are listening, um, I'm also a board member of the Kansas State Rifle Association and work with Mariah on the association. So, so there is that connection Absolutely. there as well. So, Mariah, can you walk us through what this amendment is doing exactly, and what would need to happen for this to basically be passed and and, and go into the Constitution? Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for that question, Blake. Um, you know, as we kind of mentioned already, uh, it does a couple different things. Uh, number one, it would secure um, not only uh, the right to keep and bear arms, uh, but also um, would protect uh, ammunition, accessories, and components of firearms uh, under our uh, Kansas Bill of Rights. Uh, so it would essentially uh, expand, uh, extend uh, those components and accessories, um, all of which are to the use of firearms uh, for self-defense and other lawful purposes. Um, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of uh, attacks nationally uh, from those wishing to, uh, to limit our Second Amendment rights. Um, and, you know, this would protect us against those type of attacks here in Kansas in the future. Um, you know, the second thing it does, uh, you hinted at this, uh, it would, you know, raise the level of uh, scrutiny to, to the level of strict scrutiny. Um, so, you know, courts in Kansas would be required uh, under the state constitution if it were to pa be passed. Um, they would be required to use that level of strict scrutiny uh, when uh, they review any attempted um, uh, attacks on our Second Amendment rights. So that's kind of, uh, in a nutshell, what this uh, constitutional amendment does. Um, obviously, I've appreciated the great leadership of a number of uh, legislative allies that we've uh, we've worked with on this. Um, and, you know, the kind of the process, you know, obviously, we've got to get this passed uh, through the legislature, take the supermajority. Uh, in both the House and the Senate to get, get this passed. Um, and then at that point, it goes straight to the to the ballot uh, for a vote of the people. So this is the ultimate uh, opportunity, essentially, for, for Kansas voters to decide whether they want to protect their Second Amendment rights at this level. So when it comes to getting this through the legislative process, I mean, I've been there for a little while now. I, I helped write this, this amendment that we're currently considering. But I guess my yeah. question to you is, what do you say to maybe the legislators out there that they're eh, maybe maybe I want to add it maybe I don't I mean what what's to stop them from from offering this up uh, to a vote of the people? 
For sure, yeah. So you know, there's there's folks on on both sides of the aisles that, uh, of the aisle that have uh, you know concerns about you know passing this, and I've already talked to a bunch of legislators uh, about this topic, um, and I'm not the only one, obviously. Uh, but you know, their their concerns are you know I would, I would take them and and you know respond to them. Essentially, a big concern is uh, you know folks in uh, more uh, left leaning areas are kind of, kind of concerned you know with it being an election year. Um, how will this play, you know, at the, at the polls, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I think it's, you know, pretty safe to say our Second Amendment rights are are cherished here in Kansas, and I don't uh, use that word lightly. Um, Kansans love to exercise their Second Amendment rights. Uh, a few years ago, uh, so in 2010, uh, we we uh, amended our Kansas Constitution uh, to protect the right to keep and bear arms, uh, essentially you know, naming it an individual right. Um, that was in the um, kind of in the wake of the uh, Heller uh, U.S. Supreme Court decision. Uh, so, you know, under state law, we wanted to provide similar protections and, and you know, state uh, for the record that um, the right to keep and bear arms was an individual right, uh, not a collective right of some sort. And so we passed that, uh, that constitutional amendment uh, back uh, in 2010. Uh, it passed with a landslide victory, uh, was approved by voters with 88.2% of the vote. Um, in 2014, uh, we passed another constitutional amendment to protect the right to hunt, fish, and trap in Kansas. Um, that constitutional amendment also passed uh, with a, an overwhelming majority again, um, very similar numbers. And so um, I don't think, you know, in the past few years here uh, that the right to keep and bear arms has gotten uh, that unpopular where this would be an issue at the polls. Um, that's my personal opinion. You know, there's uh, obviously opinions on every side of that. But what it comes down to for me is um, this should not be a popularity uh, contest um, at the polls or anywhere else. You know, we should be voting on things that protect uh, Kansas citizens uh, from overreaching government, from um, dangerous people, you know, in our in our culture, in our society. And this does exactly that. This protects Kansans uh, from future infringements on our ability to defend ourselves. You know, we've got people that need to defend themselves for a variety of reasons. And whether you need to or not, um, you know, whether that's staring you in the face or not, you have a right to do so. You have a right to defend yourself. And, uh, you know, that's a cherished right that, you know, Americans across our country uh, believe in. We need to you know, step up today and, and make this happen. You know, we can't just put this off uh, until there's an opportunity that seems, um, you know, right for the taking. You know, we've got to get this passed at a time when there's a supermajority um, that's pro-Second Amendment in the House and the Senate. We've seen a lot of other states um, that were once pro-Second Amendment states. Uh, their legislatures over time uh, became less friendly to Second Amendment issues. And today, you know, we've got Massachusetts, we've got California, we've got, uh, you know, Illinois, other states where, you know, the, the legislatures are absolutely controlled by anti-Second Amendment forces. And so we can't wait to a, a time, uh, you know, when you know Kansas could be in a more difficult position to get this passed through the legislature. It's time to give Kansas voters an opportunity to vote on this, and and you know let the legislature know uh, where they stand on this. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen out there, we're talking to Mariah Day. He's the executive director for the Kansas State Rifle Association, which is the NRA sister or NRA state affiliate for the NRA. So welcome back. Now, Mariah, I do have a question for you. Um, you know, yeah, sure. a, a few years ago, and I think you'll probably recall this because you were around the legislature at the time as well, but uh, I'm sure you remember that, uh, you know, the shootouts that would happen at high noon in the streets like Dodge City. We were taking 
the state of Kansas back to the wild, wild west with constitutional carry and everything else. Those never really came to fruition. Do you, I mean, they're, they're kind of saying the same stuff that we heard years ago. I mean, what's, what's the difference? Yeah, Blake, it's, it's kind of a, I get a real laugh out of it because, um, you know, you and I have both been around this long enough to, to hear these same arguments, um, you know, recycled time and again. And, you know, I, I have to give them credit for, uh, you know, their their policy of recycling. But, um, you know, when the same uh, tired old arguments keep coming back and are never validated, uh, you kind of start to wonder <laughs> where they're where they're getting their information from. Um, you know, like you said, uh, you know, a decade ago, we heard these uh, these claims that we were going to be the wild, wild west, you know, Dodge City, all that kind of thing. Um, you know, we, we heard it, you know, close to two decades ago uh, when, you know, there were first uh, conversations about passing uh, concealed carry in Kansas. Uh, this isn't, you know, a new argument. Uh, and the facts every single time have proven um, the Second Amendment uh, position true uh, that, you know, an armed society is a polite society and uh, that, you know, folks that are law-abiding, upstanding, responsible individuals, uh, you know, don't go out and, and just commit crimes. Um, you know, that's that's just a fact. You know, they don't uh, intend to harm others. They, you know, are some of the most, um, you know, firearm owners, responsible firearm owners are some of the most responsible uh, law-abiding uh, people, you know, in our state. Um, and, you know, the, the arguments today about, about this constitutional amendment claiming that it would, you know, open our state up to, you know, all kinds of violence and everything, they're just completely unfounded. Um, the fact is, this constitutional amendment would protect Kansans uh, by, you know, securing our freedoms uh, for future generations. Uh, it's an um, unfortunate fact um, that, you know, even with the clarity provided in the Bruin uh, case before the uh, U.S. Supreme Court not too long ago, uh, and previous cases before that, the outrageous attempts to chip away at the rights of law-abiding firearm owners have continued um, law of places across the country. Um, you know, gun control advocates are still actively targeting many of the most common firearms used for self-defense. And, you know, they're not always using outright bans to do so. You know, they're trying to ban ammunition, accessories, you know, standard capacity magazines, claiming that they're high capacity, you know, things like that. Um, and it's just, it's completely outrageous. Um, sorry, I'll uh, get off my soapbox, but <laughs> I could talk about that for a while. No, no, it's fantastic. And I think uh, a lot of our listeners out there are, are saying amen and preach. Uh, you know, so uh, no worries at all. But, you know, unfortunately, I think we see time and time again that fear sells. And that's that's exactly what they're doing. They're they're fit. They're they're selling fear wholesale. And uh, and, and unfortunately, people are buying it. So now there are some in the legislature that are worried about the possibility of litigation if Kansas were to pass the strict scrutiny standard. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I would first of all say that, um, you know, there's an all, there's always a possibility for litigation. Uh, we're a very litigious society uh, in general. There's always a possibility for litigation. Uh, we see that all the time. Um, I would also say that, you know, one of the purposes for um, this, this uh, constitutional amendment is to essentially create a, uh, a process uh, for individuals uh, whose rights are infringed, their Second Amendment Second Amendment rights are infringed. Uh, it creates a process for them to challenge those attacks uh, in state court, uh, which basically guarantees them clear recourse to correct the wrongs um, that our uh, our government could impose. Um, and it allows them to correct those wrongs through our own state's legal system. 
um, rather than you know only using uh, the federal uh, system uh, for that. Um, gives them essentially a, another uh, outlet for for uh, correcting those wrongs. I think that's something that um, you know a lot of Kansans could get behind um, to allow people who are wronged uh, to correct those wrongs uh, to secure their rights. So you know there's always a possibility for litigation. I think um, you know as a society we believe in the importance of being able to protect our rights, um, our freedoms uh, through uh, litigation when necessary. Um, it's a very important part of our uh, political process, our legal process. And uh, so, you know, I'd say that, you know, securing that that right, um, giving people an opportunity to protect their rights uh, and to protect the rights of others is, is a good thing, whether it uh, results in a couple extra uh, court cases or not. Absolutely. So, you know, so, ladies and gentlemen out there, we're talking to Mariah Day, the executive director of the Kansas State Rifle Association. And so I, I guess – what is the probability that this will pass? I mean, we, we've actually, for the listeners out there, we've actually seen this type of amendment with strict scrutiny language in it pass in four other states already. So could we become the fifth? What's the chances of this passing the legislature and ultimately making it onto the ballot this year, Mariah? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And, and Blake, I, um, a long time ago, uh, I don't think I was even uh, working full-time uh, in legislative circles. I think you know, it was back uh, probably before I even interned in the legislature years ago. Um, I gave up on predicting probabilities of legislation passing. <laughs> it's a it's a losing game uh, to to try to predict uh, those probabilities. However, um, you know, we have a a pro Second Amendment supermajority in both the House and the Senate. Um, and if uh, those legislators uh, choose to vote uh, the way that they ran uh, and the way that they have committed to doing. Um, you know, I don't have any any concern that way. Um, it you know really comes down to uh, Kansans making their voice heard uh, in the legislative process and encouraging their legislators to take action on this. If they do, um, you know, if they show the kind of grassroots activism we've seen uh, from Second Amendment advocates um, for generations in Kansas, uh, then you know we'll get this passed. Um, it's going to take some hard work um, and. It's obviously a very challenging year to do that with an election uh, right around the corner. Um, but the encouraging thing is, at the moment this gets past the legislature, um, whenever that happens, I am absolutely confident uh, Kansans will pass it on the ballot. Um, and I think it's going to actually help um, a number of other folks on that ballot um, with their elections because, you know, we're encouraging uh, the right people to go to the polls and and protect their rights. So I am uh, I am very confident that Kansans will support this in huge numbers. Um, and you know we just got to get to that point. Uh, but it's going to take people you know getting involved, um, getting out there and, and talking to their legislators and encouraging them to do so. So you mentioned the ballot several times and people's ability to vote on this issue. Uh, if the legislature passes it, when when would that vote take place? Yeah, so uh, the the idea would be for that to to be on the November ballot. Um, so uh, that's you know obviously uh, the legislature has the ability to you know <laughs> set what ballot uh, that you know happens to be on. Um, but you know that's that's the idea. Uh, we are pushing really hard to get this passed so that voters can vote on it this fall. That's fantastic, and, and I mean honestly, it's it's. What better time than to put it on a presidential election ballot? I mean, more people than normal are going to turn out for that kind of an election. And uh, so I think we'll have more voter participation and uh, 
more people who get to have their voices heard on, on whether or not they would like to enhance our current Second Amendment rights as they stand here in the state of Kansas. So, uh, Mariah, with that, um, the segment's coming to an end, but can you just tell us a little bit about your organization? Just, uh, you know, what's the website and where can they go to find more information? Sure, I appreciate that, Blake. Yeah, the Kansas State Rifle Association, like you already mentioned, Blake, is uh, the state affiliate for the NRA. Uh, So we um, are essentially, you know, we focus on state uh, issues uh, related to the Second Amendment. Uh, We are, you know, affiliated with the NRA, but we have our own board of directors. Uh, We are not beholden to any uh, national Second Amendment group. Uh, We, you know, have our own governing body and, uh, you know, work uh, on a lot of different things. You know, obviously, as we're talking now, we deal with a lot of legislative stuff, but we also deal with uh, political stuff, you know, campaign cycle. We deal with uh, encouraging uh, firearm training, uh, responsible firearm ownership. We deal with a lot of that stuff. People can learn all about us on our website, kansasrifle.org, kansasrifle.org. Um, and they can also find us on pretty much any social media at Kansas Rifle. So uh, we encourage people to check that out and, and see the work we've been doing. We've been around since 1928, so I don't think we're going anywhere. Fantastic. Thank you, Mariah, for joining us this evening. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks, Blake. Really appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. And looks like we have a caller. David, welcome to the show. Hi. How are you doing? Doing great, sir. How are you this evening? Oh, I'm I'm doing fine. Uh, uh, I was a job just listening to your show, and uh, and and I uh, and I noted noticed you said how important you say it is to protect freedom and democracy both in uh, Taiwan and around the world, and uh, and and, uh, and and I was wondering why why that never seems to uh, uh, include uh, Ukraine Ukraine, which uh, is a uh, is. Is Ukraine not part of the world, or? Well, um, no. Thank you for the question. I appreciate that. Um, no, they are an important part of the world as well. And obviously, there's been a, a conflict going on there for quite some time between Ukraine and Russia. Um, I think as we look at the geopolitical uh, situation that's currently going on over there, we, you know, we obviously have NATO. Ukraine's not a part of NATO, but uh, you know. NATO is a very important part of what is going on right now in Europe, especially to stop additional Russia uh, aggression. Um, you know, in 2014, Russia annexed the Crimea uh, and the Donbass region of Ukraine, and uh, they basically went unchallenged. And so I think what Russia thought that they could do is just march right in and do the exact same thing uh, with Ukraine. And, and one of the biggest factors with Ukraine is that um, they are basically – they're, they're very similar to Kansas in the sense that they're the breadbasket of Europe. Uh, so they have a lot of wheat exports. They have a lot of uh, commodities that um, are, are very important to the food supply. And so obviously I think that that would be a good reason to strategically take them over in Russia's uh, playbook. However, um, it has not gone according to plan. Uh, you know, there's a, I'm, I'm forgetting the operation name, but there's an operation out there uh, where the United States after the Crimea incident – uh, went in and started trying to help train their troops so that if any future aggressions took place, that uh, we would be there to, well, we, we helped train their soldiers so that they could help fight back if Russia decided to do it again, and they did. And so the great thing about it is is that we have been participating in that. Um, however, we don't have a blank check. That's the problem. We don't have a blank check that we can just write and, and dump a ton of money into Ukraine. So we have to be uh, you know, call upon our allies, I think, and we have to have it to where the people of Europe who are closest to this situation should also be paying their fair share. 
right now we're thirty four well, trillion dollars in debt. And so if if the whole burden of this conflict is placed on the United States, that is not something that we will be able to sustain for a long term period. Well, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, but they are paying, paying their share. They just if you just read the news, they just uh, okayed fifty billion dollars uh, or fifty billion euros euros in support. Uh, for Ukraine, and uh, uh, you, you know, and, and basically, our House Republicans th- think we should completely, uh, uh, completely sh- sh- shut off military f- uh, funding to Ukraine. You, you know, so, so, uh, you, you, so you know, and you know, and uh, and you talk and you talk about a blank check, but you know, but 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 war is is not is is not is not predictable, and and, and it's a matter of will. You know. It, if you know, if you tell your opponent, you know, uh, hey, 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 we're go, we're we're going to do this much, and and if and we're spend this much, and 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 if it doesn't, and if it doesn't uh, work, we're just going to surrender. Well, you know, well, I mean, you know, that then then you're just telling your opponent, okay, okay, just wait, just just wait until that time, and 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 we'll give up. And also 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 tells your opponent, you're stupid to be. To be fighting in the first place. I mean, it seems were, were we stupid to be fighting in the first place? Is that right? Or, you know, were, were, were we just baiting Ukraine to, to to get involved? You know, you know. Well, here, uh, David, when, look, real when, quick, when, let me just say this real quick. So, the United States has not spent. You know, we we've spent more than fifty billion dollars. We've spent one hundred and thirteen point four billion dollars on this conflict already. So, thankfully, they're they're at least you know spending what fifty billion euros. So at least they're starting to contribute a little bit here. But, I mean, they also have the ability to contribute weapons and armor and everything else. Um, and I would say that not all those countries are participating as much as they should. So I think that additionally – hold on, hold on. No, I let you talk. It's my turn. So here's the thing. Um, if we look at this, I've been listening to military leaders. I've been listening to, to the folks that you know are, are on the ground. They're trying to help these individuals as much as they can, right? Well, here's the thing. We have a republic, right? So we have to be governed by what the people want within the United States. So the majority of those individuals then elect our representatives to Congress. Okay. So as conflicts continue to progress and go on for a long period of time, republics, democracies, they do not have the ability to maintain a long-term effort because of the public opinion on those war efforts. Whereas if we look at communist China, if we look at Russia, if we look at these places – they are run by dictators, and it doesn't matter what the public wants or doesn't want. They can say, well, it's my will, and I'm going to spend as much money as I want and as many human lives as I want in order to achieve my objectives. So the playbooks are different between the types of countries that are at play here because we have a republic that is answerable to the constituents that they represent. So so, so then you're saying the, the, these countries that aren't democratic have an inherent advantage in war? Uh, you know, over us, and and again, if I mean, if, if that's the way, I mean, if, if that's the way you think, well, you know, you know, we ought to just we ought to just give up now. So, you know, say, hey, you know, these countries are better at war than we are. Well, well I don't agree with that. Thing. I definitely don't agree with that. But David, thank you so much for your call. We do have other callers. Um, I appreciate your time, and thank you for your call. All right, looks like we have Rod on the line. How are you doing this evening, sir? Oh, I'm blessed, Blake. Fantastic. What do you want to talk hey, about? Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, – I heard the show that uh, runs between Mark Levin and Coast to Coast AM on your station, the Armstrong and Getty show. They were reading either a letter or a uh, text of a speech that Senator Mike Lee 
of Utah gave in which he just exposes from a strict constitutional point of view uh, what he calls the firm. Did you happen to hear that? Uh, unfortunately, no. I, I must have missed that one. I apologize. Well, the firm, you know, the uh, progressives have the squad. He calls the firm, uh, the Senate leadership, uh, Mitch McConnell and uh, Schumer, in which, you know, they they come up with these bills. I don't know who wrote them, maybe lobbyists, maybe their staffs, but a thousand-page bill, and they give the senators an hour or a day to vote on it when it, uh, Mike Lee said it should be debated for weeks, if not months. That's the system. And they conglomerate all these things together, aid for Ukraine, aid for Israel, uh, the border. Why can't they have separate bills? Why do we have to have continuing resolutions, kick the can down the road and infinitum? Why do we have to have uh, omnibus? Why can't they vote on these things separately and give the people time to chime in? Unfortunately, I think what— what you're referring to is the sausage-making process, and and you know what? That is absolutely contributing to the reason why Washington, D.C. is broken. And I think not only Republicans but Democrats, everybody in America sees how broken the system is yeah. in Washington, D.C., and you are alluding to every aspect of it. When the speaker, Nancy Pelosi, goes, oh, you know, I got a several-thousand-page bill here. You can vote on it. Read it after you pass it. That is unacceptable. We should we should not be expecting that type of mentality or practice from the people who are supposed to be governing us with responsible actions, right? I, I think right. that we should ask that from everybody. But you know what? You're going to get me on a soapbox here. I there is there's one thing that I, I I've talked to other you know state lawmakers about at various conventions and that type of thing. And if you look at what has happened since the passage of the Seventeenth Amendment. So the 17th Amendment is the direct election of U.S. senators. And, yeah, was a, and, and before that, the, the founding fathers put that the state legislatures were the ones that picked the U.S. senators. And right. you know what? They actually were accountable to the states. They actually re responded to us. Right. They, they, they actually did things that were beneficial to the people, to the states, and to the – because the, the legislatures are closer, the closest, closer to the people in Washington, D.C., but in yep. that time, 100 plus years, 105, 110 years, whenever they passed it, that you can see an exponential growth in the federal government and the amount of regulations and laws that are passed and leaving the states out of the equation. But you know what? Ronald Reagan in his 1981 state of the uh, – actually his um, address when he was inaugurated, uh, he said that the states created the federal government. The federal government right. did not create the states, and that is not – that is truer today as it is – and was then. Well, Senator Lee encouraged everyone to share what he's uh, his letter or his speech. And if you don't, if you get a chance, listen to that show. It was on last night or Friday. Armstrong and Getty. I forget. I think they ran a rerun last night of it. Everyone needs to hear what he has to say because it's just a swamp, it's the deep state, and, and we're going to put a stop to it. I'm a gun-toting, Bible-thumping, anti-Marxist, mega-maga Trump supporter, and I want everyone to know that he's going to drain the swamp. All right. Thank Thanks, you so much, Blake. Rod. Really appreciate you. God bless you, sir.
All right. Now, with that, we are going to take a call from John. Thank you, John, for calling in. Hey, Blake. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. What do you want to talk about? So I had a quick question. I just uh, I was curious as to been, been reading the papers and everything and got a big tax bill this year. Uh, obviously, the governor vetoed it, wanted to see what the uh, legislature was going to do about it and uh, maybe maybe what was happening there. Absolutely. Well, I think that the plan – actually, no, I don't think the plan. I know the plan is to take up the veto override this week, actually, in the House. And so after a veto is issued by the governor of the state of Kansas, there's a 30-day period in which we have the ability to override. So we didn't take it up last week, and so we're probably at about day 10 right now since the override took place. So we're going we're gonna to vote to override. I am confident that we have the votes to override in the House, and then – at that point, it goes to the Senate. The Senate was one vote shy when it went to the governor for uh, her veto. And so what we'll have to do is see if uh, if they can find uh, one senator who's willing to uh, change their mind and hopefully vote to give uh, the taxpayers of Kansas some tax relief. Now, with that, thank you for the prompt. I'm going to go ahead and take some liberty here and talk about some of the aspects of that bill. And maybe John and some of his other guest hosts have already talked about it a little bit, but I'm just going to hit some high-level items for it. So it's going to change the tax exemption on home values from $40,000 to $100,000. So if your home is under $100,000, it is tax exempt. Now, if it's $110,000, then it's going to, then you're going to pay taxes on that $10,000 and so on and so forth all the way up. Additionally, we are going to make some tax adjustments to the banking industry, bank and trust adjustments, lowering their rate from 2.25% in 2024 and then also further to 1.63% in 2025. Additionally, with this tax plan, everybody's going to get tax relief as well. It's going to make it to where it has a dual rate of 0% and 525%. And um, you'll be able to enjoy tax-free income if you earn $5,000 or less or as a couple, um, $2,500 or less as an individual in 2024. There's a whole bunch of other, uh, so, I mean, it covers the gamut. It covers income taxes, sales taxes, um, and property taxes. So it covers, this tax package is everything. So um, for those out there, it, it also drops off Social Security income tax. I mean, so we, we're we one of, I think, 12 states that currently tax Social Security. So it completely eliminates that. So there's a lot to be excited about in this tax package. Um, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm excited to vote for it. I look forward to voting to override uh, this week along with many of my other colleagues. So very, very uh, looking really forward to it. Thank you, John, for, for the question and uh, the call. All right. So, Nick, you're on the John Whitmer Show. Hello, Representative. I, I'm so proud of you. You did an excellent job this evening. I enjoyed listening to you. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe I can uh, maybe change the name of the show and make it mine, right? Well, I don't know about all that. I, oh, I gotta okay. All right. John Whitmer for, <laughs> for, like you said, states' rights, the creator has to remember, or the created has to remember the creator, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, amen. So on that vein, you know, we talked about the um, firearms deal and unlawful and, and people who might choose to use certain substances over other substances such as cannabis, which was mentioned earlier. I do support that resolution as well um, as I believe it could be enhanced by um, go ahead and taking cannabis off the Controlled Substances Act. But, you, you know, that, that is one thing that is kind of integral to our self-reliance um, as well as uh, I, 
I think it's a good support of law enforcement. They can concentrate on other things that are more violent and, you know, the synthetic route, faith, or, you know, the synthetic pills, the fentanyl coming over the border and everything, along with military-aged men that um, have no business uh, being over here. But we're worried about um, things like expedited partner therapy and uh, um, weird things like that. So those are some thoughts that I had. I've, I've enjoyed your show that you've done this evening, and I appreciate the Kansas legislature very much. So God bless you all, and uh, just thank you for, for being part. So Yeah, absolutely. Care. Thank you for the call, Nick. Really appreciate it. Okay, and on the line we have Stephen. Well, hello. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, what can be done to help support Kansas in joining the Convention of States. Ah, absolutely. So this is something that I've actually worked on uh, for for many years um, as well, and so I appreciate the question. So right now in the state of Kansas, the Kansas Constitution, there was a constitutional amendment that was added in the 1970s that required a supermajority of legislators to support and pass a call for a convention um, here in the state of Kansas. And and since it sounds – you're probably familiar with this – um, but for those yeah. of you out there that aren't, um, it it's exists within the Constitution. Now, there's actually, over the past, I mean, decade, really, whenever we've tried to pass a resolution to call Congress to you know balance the budget or term limits, um, we've always fallen short. We've never been able to reach that two-thirds threshold, um, which is 84 votes in the House and 27 votes in the Senate in order to, to make that call. Now, um, there's actually been an update, or at least recently, about a month ago now, there was a lawsuit that was actually announced where a representative and a senator um, filed a lawsuit against the speaker and the president. Now, they are in support of the, the, the Convention of States. They just had to file the lawsuit against those individuals because they're the presiding officers of the two chambers. But um, what the, qu- the question at play here now is um, that they're seeking to have – the judiciary, federal judiciary rule on what supersedes in this instance. Does the power that is derived under Article 5 of the United States Constitution that gives legislators the power to call a convention, can that be, can that be, uh, let's see, can that be capped or can that be, uh, can a, a threshold or a requirement be placed upon that power if it's derived out of the U.S. Constitution. So that's the constitutional question at play. Can the U- can the Kansas Constitution put a limit on the power of the U.S. Constitution powers that are being derived from it? So that once we I think have a have that answered by the judiciary on the federal side is when we will um, have the opportunity to maybe look at this. Maybe they, they come back and say, no, the Kansas Constitution can't place that threshold there. And if that's the case, then that means that moving forward, we'd be able to pass it with a simple majority of 63 and 21 instead of the 84 and 27. So that's kind of where the uh, Convention of States is at this current point in time. But, no, I do appreciate the question. Well, um, I encourage everyone to uh, join because they're looking for volunteers to get involved as well and hold our uh, legislature to the fire. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for your call. We really appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with that, this concludes another episode of The John Whitmer Show. This is Blake Carpenter filling in for John as the guest host this evening. And in the meantime, have a great week and carry on, my fellow deplorables. 
<sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 